If life has presented more questions than answers, more problems than promises, and purposeful living feels unattainable and finding fulfillment helpless, we don't have all the answers, but let us point you to the one that does. Welcome to Anointed Clay, a ministry committed to kingdom expansion. Anointed Clay, real hope for real people. Come and reclaim your destiny. This is an outreach ministry of Unity Worship Church, 214 Nelson Street, Cartersville, Georgia, 30120. Now, to the Word. Hey, how you guys doing? This is uh, Sebastian Holly, uh, Pastor Sebastian Holly. Um, just welcome you guys into Anointed Clay, our podcast. I want to share this morning on ministry and marriage. Been in ministry now for about 16 years. Um, just in, 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 in getting to the good part, praise God. And so I'm not speaking from some attitude of expertise. Uh, just some thoughts to share, to consider that may may minister to the need uh, that some other minister or some other ministry couple may have. All right. Ministry and marriage. First thing I like to think about is that it's consequential, not contradiction. Uh, The fruit of one brings abundance to the other. A healthy marriage is foundation for a healthy ministry. Uh, And that's no matter what the ministry is. Far too often in our thought process today, we see this contradiction almost between ministry and marriage, this conflict, this constant tension. Um, and I, and in my, from my perspective, it's not supposed to be there. Um, we've, we've, we've been called to marriage, amen, covenant, and we've also been called to ministry. And so it is my sense that they should work one from another and benefit each other, um, not be in conflict with each other. But there are a lot of elements that, that creates this this conflict. Uh, for the most part, a lot of it has more to do with selfishness, self-centeredness, you know, uh, self-preservation, insecurities, these type of things that exist that aren't really being dealt with within the confines of marriage. Uh, and sometimes it can be as simple as, um, you know, people marrying and they're having such opposite development dynamics, having such opposite customs and traditions that it creates this tension and this conflict between the two. And uh, and a lot of times it's not even, um, say, for instance, one comes out of a background where there was no church and family didn't practice anything as, as far as, you know, relationship with God. A lot of times it's just two different church dynamics uh, or two different religious dynamics that each one come out of that's that causes a great degree of conflict in understanding how ministry and marriage should harmony um, and come together to produce a greater outcome for God's glory. You know, and uh, we're going to get into some of this, though. But and I think, it again, I think it may be advantageous for for some. So I want you to listen in, um, you know, lean into this thought and this conversation. I've kind of broken this out in a few different ways. Um, but the biblical backdrop that I want to use um, was there in Second Samuel, chapter six, when David 
danced out of his upper garments and his wife Micah was was upset with him. You know, that's interesting because I, I couldn't help but to think, what is she thinking that causes her to feel some type of way about his expression uh, and his success and what he's achieved in bringing the representation of the glory of God into the into the city? His enthusiasm uh, in this moment, and honestly, it's almost like a ministry achievement. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what is going on in her thinking that causes the wife of the king, the wife of this man of God that has had this moment of success, what is causing her to feel some type of way about it. But again, in today's climate, this is all too common as well. You know, it may not be as pronounced. Um, a lot of times because we do learn to cover these things with such layers of pretense, but it's real. It happens. I, I myself get an opportunity to engage a lot of different um, ministry leaders, pastors, and even lay leaders who are in this constant tug of war, this constant conflict between ministry and marriage. So we want to speak into that. Amen. Uh, my first thought was, uh, let's consider the fault of the called. The fault of the call. They could be out of balance because they are being driven by illegal, illegal motives such as selfishness, um, selfish ambition, uh, emotional need, a need to fit in, a need to qualify, a need to pacify narcissistic tendencies, a need for attention, a need to prove oneself, um, you know, in a sense of needing affirmation, financial needs, a need to be right. Out of balance because they're functioning out of a force and not a faith, trying to make it happen. Not knowing how to deal with the loneliness of the call is also a layer within this. Um, but but let's, let me break out the first aspect of it. So a lot of times we do realize that people are being driven in ministry, but it's not being driven for the opportunity to produce the glory of God or the opportunity to produce a greater worship in God by our drawing near to him, by our pursuing his presence, by our prioritizing toward God. Sometimes we're actually being driven by the need to accomplish, the need to achieve, the need for affirmation. And that's totally the wrong motive. Even though the activities may look very similar, the problem with it being the wrong motive is that you can't produce God's outcome unless God is truly the priority. And a lot of people aren't even available to challenge themselves on this level. They want to accomplish ministry to prove something. They want to accomplish ministry to gain something. Um, even from a humanitarian perspective, like uh, you can have the best intentions of wanting to see people better and want to see people heal and delivered and set free, see people saved. But if the priority of the focus, even in that is people and not God, your balance will be off because your motive is off. Uh, this is really critical understand. I don't have all the time I'd like to have to totally break that out. But, um, you know, I have a couple of books out there, one of which is called Motive Matters. And another one is called Faith Identity, where we're dealing a lot with the true priority that we should have. And as a result of having that true priority, that true motive for God, then we produce healthy outcomes in our identity, our purpose, um, you know, in the flow and the line of God. And that should create the proper balance to even keep good maintenance on my marriage, a good maintenance on my family life, you know, a healthy balance. Otherwise, we, we, we wind up trying to juggle the realities of our lives and the uh, responsibilities of our lives. And as in balance is not juggling, balance is pivoting, leveraging proper priority to produce the outcome that God designed for your life.
first one, you know, the thought of the call. A lot of times, you know, those of us who are working, serving leadership, and this is not a masculine perspective, uh, or it can be, you know, masculine or feminine, you know, just depending on which one has been called to certain degrees of ministry and ministry operation. You know, uh, again, everything we should do as believers should be ministry. There is no no superior attitude of ministry that is being accomplished within the confines of our churches, our ministry environments. But, um, you know, because the CEO of the company in the marketplace is no less anointed than the CEO of a, of a church, a church gathering or church culture. All about the motive of the art behind each. I've seen CEOs of companies and businesses who literally had a more sincere motive for God than those who actually do lead churches. Um, So we have to be mindful of that as well. But yeah, the first is the the consider the fault of the called. Another layer of the fault of the called is not knowing how to deal with the loneliness of the call. The loneliness has the potential to cause you to respond. Uh, the opposite of the very thing you need. So instead of your going to your mate and allowing them to comfort you, you push them away. Um, why? You may ask. At some point, um, there may have been an offense or you may have been offended or they may have offended you without without even knowing. And it was an interpreted as a lack of support. So now the offense has affected the trust. And this really happens and it happens again quite often where you may have took a, a moment of frustration to your significant other, your your mate, your covenant partner, and, and they didn't really know how to respond because they don't have the weight and the responsibility of this specific call. Um, you know, even though they have to share the burden with you in a sense, they don't have the specifics of the responsibility. And so sometimes it can be, you know, this this lack of understanding can be misconstrued as a lack of care our lack of support. Um, and again, it's, it, you know, just not really not knowing how to deal with the loneliness of it. There is a loneliness to, to uh, especially the call of ministry as it relates to church and church culture. There's an absolute loneliness to it. Um, but God knows you're built for it. You're wired for it on the front end. He knows that you have the faculty for it. So he, 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 he didn't call you without understanding you on a deeper level uh, of what you could tolerate and what you could and could not handle. Another thing that's very important in this moment, um, not to over spiritualize it, but it is it is absolutely true. You have got to have a fulfilling worship. Your own personal devotion in God has 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 got to pull you to a place of con- con- uh, contentment and a place of fulfillment that supersedes the natural condition and the natural need of our our humanity. And that's and that's and there is no other way around it. So a tail sign that I haven't went deep enough in my worship is that I don't have the necessary fulfillment to balance out these struggles of loneliness and isolation. And that's that's really important. Um, now, back to the relational piece. When you start thinking through, you know, how you interact with others that you don't give the same responsibility to, you know, as you give your mate. So if your expectation for your team in ministry you know, is not as at the same uh, height as your expectation for your mate in understanding your call, then that may be something to really consider. So if I wouldn't get frustrated at my team for not getting it, why would I get frustrated at my significant other for not getting it? 
Um, and, and, and again, that's something to just think through. You know, again, we're talking about a need for balance that, you know, as we process through these things that we can get a better response. And so uh, thinking about the, um, the the call in and of itself and the potential for loneliness within the call. Also remember that pastors need pastors. And I'm not talking about pastors in the sense that you need somebody. Um, you know, uh, it's about always having somebody over you. That's that's not it. You need relationship with peers who who can understand these emotional dynamics of the call. You feel me? Everybody may not have to share the same theology. They may not share the same uh, vision and goal, um, you know, ideology even, you know, even practices. But at the same time, this the, the weight of this call, you know, should be appreciated and understood by you know all not but but let me let me go ahead and put this also there's one more caveat the dividing the dividing line that is those who are doing it in sincerity now someone who's you know kind of just have a surface level pretense and practice in ministry and they just understand church culture and they've mastered church culture um you know they their emotional involvement in it may be very different than somebody who's all in there's a level of sincerity in their engagement in ministry that has really pulled them to the to the you know to the extent that they're you know they're totally all in and um and emotionally involved, spiritually involved, um, intellectually involved within the within the moment. So there's going to be a different reality in their response than someone who, you know, kind of just only only dealing with it on a surface level position anyway. OK, so, you know, again, we talked about um, the fault of the call. These are some things just within the primary one that has been called in the ministry can posture themselves in and deal with in a, in a healthy way. Uh, to produce a, a different outcome uh, in the marriage dynamic. Uh, second, let's look at the frailty of the mate, the frailty of the mate. Um, some don't have the emotional wholeness to be a support system for a ministry assignment. You know, and that's just real. Some mates do not have the emotional wholeness to be a support support system for a ministry assignment. Some can even help build an empire in the marketplace, but not in ministry, not in the church culture. And that's really real. And we have to be able to weigh and assess and understand, you know, this is another reason why we have to be so intentional and in being clear on the specifics of what God has called us to. Um, sometimes we feel like just because we are a leader in one arena that we should be able to be a leader, a leader in the other. Um, but that's not always the truth. You may have a skill set, uh, talent uh, set that makes you more available for uh, leadership in the marketplace, but you would crash and burn trying to lead a group or a congregation or a ministry effort, you know, in the sense of, uh, of, of the sacred or the spiritual environment. So, you know, that's, that's important because then who you marry matters according to your purpose and what you've been called to accomplish and achieve. Again, some do not have the emotional wholeness to be a support system for a ministry assignment. Some can even help build an empire in the marketplace, but not in ministry. Sometimes it's as simple as selfishness, self-centeredness, and self-preservation. You know, I, I had a brother one time, a good friend of mine, who who literally was in his mid-30s. And, you know, he and his wife had been married at this point probably 15, 16 years. 
and uh and had no children. And I asked him, I was like, man, why y'all ain't got no kids, you know? And he was like, well, I'm just too selfish to have kids. He said, I'm still buying stuff that I like for myself. I don't want the responsibility to have to buy for somebody. And that blew my mind, but it was his truth, you know? And sometimes it's really what we're dealing with, you know, when you marry some, some you know, marry people and you're in a covenant relationship, sometimes people are too selfish to, to share, you know, their significant other, you know, with ministry. Sometimes it's, they're too selfish self-centered you know they don't know how to understand a perspective outside of what it what benefits or what involves them or what affects them they don't even have the faculty to realize it or see it then sometimes it's self-preservation you know people aren't good with people sometimes and and the reality of it is when they have to share their significant other or they have to you know uh, deal with ministry involvement they're just really not equipped for it You know, um, some mates are needy emotionally because of insecurities, self-esteem and self-worth. You know, that the pull that that the a leader may be going through, you know, is a result of, you know, the insecurities that uh, a mate could be dealing with. You know, and again, this is, you know, not gender specific, but it's literally across the board. You know, it can be a a female pastor or a male pastor or a leader and 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 there's this constant tug of war, this constant pull, and it's simply based on insecurities, self-esteem, self-worth. People don't value themselves. They're not whole emotionally enough to be able to participate. You know, with the efforts, sometimes it's a spirit of competition because of jealousy and envy. And this kind of goes back to the insecurities, but then it just plays out in a different a different way. Um, you know, I've I've seen ministry couples that compete with each other. That's, you know, I'm not even sure if they really recognize the deficits of it, but it's real. You know, one's not getting enough attention, enough spotlight or getting recognized enough. And so there's this this this. Um, depth of insecurity that's being tapped and, and, and hit and assaulted, you know, when they see their their partner doing well in a particular area or being recognized more. Um, that's not good. There's not supposed to be any, any spirit of competition in a marriage, in a covenant. The two are supposed to be becoming one. There has to be a place of agreement, and this agreement is established in our availability to be a part of a team that's moving forward to achieve the goal of God and the potential to produce the glory of God. There's not supposed to be any competition. If my insecurities cause me or pulls me into this place of comparison and competition that causes contention with my mate, that's a sin. That's totally off from the design of God for man. And again, I know this is ha- this happens and it's real, but it should not happen. Are, are you with me? Another one is sometimes they just can't get past your past. I've seen this reality as well, where um, you know, you may have a mate that has has lived, you know, life, um, you know, with with their their partner and and they know things that other people don't know. And, and, and there's still some layers of unforgiveness and resentment there. There's some layers of, you know, I remember when you were and, and they won't let them get past their past. Now, even though they're in a call, they're moving in a role of God and, and our ministry opportunity, a leadership opportunity. And they have really shown very drastic change um, in their character and personality or in their behavior and choices. Uh, but the, that person that's this the 
the closest to them cannot get past their past. Uh, and they may not even realize that they're still holding them hostage to their past, that they're still judging them by decisions of their of their past and choices of their past. But it's real and it happens. And sometimes because it's so subconscious, we don't even realize that this is what's creating the conflict in the covenant. You know, this is where the lack of agreement, this is why the lack of agreement doesn't exist to propel the purpose forward. So, again, we're talking about, you know, number two, let's look at the frailty of the mate. Um, then the third one, the final one, the fortitude of the team. You know, let's consider the fortitude of the team. What are the circumstances surrounding the union? What are the circumstances surrounding the union? Why did I get married is a very good question. Um, God, did God put you together? Um, you know, is, 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 is this God's choice for you? Because we this this is so layered. But one thing that we have to realize is that some people were married before they got saved. Some people were married before they got called into ministry. Right. And so now they're having to assess, you know, the fortitude of the team from a very different picture than than the foundations of the team. And that's real. Uh, and I believe is that if there is truly an availability to give ourselves totally over to God, God itself, that God can take these same situations that may not have had the best foundations for ministry and produce the best foundation for ministry. And I, I pray that that makes sense. Um, and then, you you know, again, you have um, pastors, um, ministry leaders who you know, get married while they're in ministry, but make a choice out of their emotional need, make a choice out of their sexual need, make a choice based on aesthetics and how beautiful someone is and how they would look well sitting beside them or how they may fit the role in, you know, in the picture versus really pursuing God and identifying is, you know, uh, is this who God has for me? Do they have the capacity to house this calling? Do they have the, the capacity to be support, you know, for this vision? These things are essential. You know, you can't, you know, you, you have a responsibility to honor your oil enough to make sure whoever you go into covenant with as a leader is God ordained, God led, God's choice. And that's serious. It's very severe. It's, it's, it's severe even, you know, because so many, um, potential visions are toppled simply because I made a choice out of the flesh. You, you feel me? That's important. God put you together to be fruitful and multiply, to accomplish a task and assignment. And this is incredibly, incredibly valuable and important for us to understand. You have to realize this. I mean, I cannot stress this enough. You are building a foundation, right, for a faith movement. You're building a foundation for a destiny, you know, and that foundation has to be considered with the utmost care. Um, and then we, you know, we go to what some questions that we can ask ourselves in the equation. What is the faith level of the team? What is the faith level of the team? You know, I mean, honestly, Oh, my God, it's, it's crazy sometimes because you run into these situations where you you have different faith levels for different things within, you know, the um, you know, the the promise, you know, so you have 
her and she may have a greater faith for for God's ability to heal. He may have a greater faith for God's ability to move in our finances and, and resources, uh, you know, and, and that should be good. It should become complementary, um, you know, that we can, you know, bring our faith together and our strengths in different areas where we, you know, that compatibility brings the, the proper balance in the equation. Um, then you also you have the situation where sometimes where, you know, one has faith and the other one does not. You know, there's just there's just the reality of it, you know, so there is no, you know, complementing each other's, you know, uh, strengths and weaknesses. There is literally almost an out of balance team. And so you really can't even gain the forward movement that you need into this balance is kind of a correct uh, corrected. The only compensation is, is that even where one may lack faith, they're, they're totally yielded over to the faith of the other. If that does not happen, then you will have this this subtle conflict that goes on in the movement. Uh, another one is, is God the point of agreement? Is God truly the point of agreement? Like, are we truly prioritized toward God uh, as individuals within this team? You know, does each one of us have our own personal devotion, our own personal intimacy, our own personal priority for God that brings us to this place of agreement? You know, this place of shared agreement. That's huge. Two cannot become one without this point of agreement, without the priority being God. It just does not happen. You can become one naturally. You can become one in operations, in a union, but you can't have the level of unity that God wants to come and rest in, that God wants to produce out of until both our priorities is clearly God without question. Um, is there a shared vision that has been clearly conveyed? Oh, that's another one. You talk about the fortitude of the team. A lot of teams have no fortification. They have no real stability because there is not clarity in a shared vision. There is not clarity in a shared vision. We actually have two people involved that's pulling in two different directions to prove their own perspective or produce their own outcome. Um, no shared vision that has been clearly conveyed. And a lot of times this could be the leadership of the of the of the team, the man. This is the husband. He is supposed to be the leadership. Um, and sometimes we're not doing the best job in conveying clearly, you know, the vision or this vision actually being, you know, anchored into the pursuit of God and worship of God. You know, again, we go back to the first point that sometimes our motive in ministry is to accomplish something. We seek goals and accomplish and the motive behind setting these goals and accomplishing these goals is not to produce the glory of God or produce the opportunity for pursuit of God. But it is really about some emotional needs that I'm trying to pacify. It's very hard to clearly convey that message from a spiritual place that my mate can connect and own. Um, another thing, you know, we have other subtle things. So number two, we was talking about the frailty of the mate. If these insecurities exist a lot of time within the mate, and let's just use, for example, a male pastor and his, you know, um, his wife. And, and sometimes you see these these uh, good guy controlling uh, realities in, inside of the marriage. So, you know, he's the man of God. He's the husband, but she really pulls the strings. She really wears the pants. She, you know, she's, she's controlling. Now, most of the time when these control issues exist, there's a layer of victimization there. There's been some offense, some trauma that has created an insecurity that victimization covers. And so now I try to control environments, right? So that I can feel safe in environments. And now I've practiced this so long is now, um, filtered over into my marriage. 
And I don't even really realize that I'm the dominant factor, you know, in it. And there's literally a, a controlling spirit, you know, um, you know, fueling my, my efforts within the marriage. And that's a huge problem. But here's the struggle. A lot of times the vision is not being clearly conveyed because the man don't feel like he has a voice in the home. He doesn't feel like he has a voice in the home. Again, this stuff is also flip flop. You have the same scenario that exists when there's a controlling spirit coming from the head or the leader of the house, from the man or the masculine perspective. And the wife doesn't feel like she has a voice. And guess what winds up happening when you take someone's voice? You also take their spirit to hear. So the vision is not being clearly conveyed because there's no value being expressed from leadership to subordinate to be able to create the willingness and availability to hear and share in the vision. I know there's a lot of weight there. Um, last one. Is there true value for each other, for the relationship and for the assignment? We have to value each other. There has to be shared value, equal value. Um, you know, again, this is the this necessitates the the willingness and the availability for individuals to remove their walls in their spirit so that we can have real intimacy, that we can be vulnerable before each other and let our relationship itself establish value and security within the relationship. You feel me? So we're not just two strangers walking in the night, so to speak. But, uh, you know, are you not sleeping with the enemy or sleeping with a stranger, sharing life with a stranger? Uh, because far too often that is real. We may know each other in, in facts and, and experiences in our history, but we really don't know the depth of that individual's heart because they guard it. Um, this is not supposed to exist in a marriage, you know, in a covenant. This, this is why two have to become one. There has to be an intimacy that pulls us into vulnerability without fear. And that's that's very important. This creates the opportunity for value within the relationship. You know, um, I mean, truly, you know, can you see your mate in the image and likeness of God? You know, can you see your mate as the promise of God? And as a result of that, you begin to value it. Then there has to be a valuing of the oil of each other, the purpose and the assignment of each other. And then there has to be the value for the assignment of the team. We all have to equally value these elements together. And this creates a level of agreement and a level of unity that God can come sit and rest in and produce out of. I know this was a little lengthy, but I pray it blesses somebody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Anointed Clay. Thank you for joining us today for Anointed Clay. We truly pray that your spirit was increased by the message. Visit one of our weekly services soon. We have discipleship development on Thursday at noon and 7 p.m. Our Sunday morning worship service is at 8.45 a.m. You can write us at 175 Willis Road, Cartersville, Georgia, 30120. Call us at 770-256-6355. Email us at unityworship at yahoo.com. Visit us on the web and make all contributions at www.unityworshipchurch.org.